Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where in October we talk about horror movies, usually, sometimes. Maybe once or twice this week. Month. Anyway, it is October, so uh, we're starting off spooky season with all the Scream movies. We're going to talk about Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, Scream, and Scream 6. Uh, this is mostly going to be talking about Scream 6, since that's the newest one. But because this is a whole franchise, we have uh, thoughts on all of them, and we want to talk about all of them. So keep in mind, this is going to be not super spoiler-free for most of the movies. Uh, I think we have a spoiler warning on Scream 6, because that is the newest one. But everything else, um, you're going to hear some spoilers for the Scream movies. Anyway, there's a long episode, and uh, it's a fun one, but it's it, it goes on for a bit, so I'm going to just get right into it. After this song by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, this is Red Right Hand. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as he ships and cracks Where secrets lie In the border fires In the humming wires Yeah man, you know you're never coming back Past the square, past the bridge Past the mills, past the stacks On a gathering storm Comes a tall, handsome man In a dusty black coat With a red right hand you're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live. Hey, Pierre, how you doing? I am screaming for Scream. <laughs> that is... Uh, thank you, thank That's because we are going to talk about the entire series today. I think, remember, I think in January, Scream 6 came out, and we were talking behind the scenes about like what, would, what our next episodes would be. And you mm. had pitched at one point Scream, and I was like, no, no, no. I really want to watch all of those movies. We'll come back to it. I promise you we'll come back to it. And I think that that, uh, <laughs> I think that was a good decision because I recently came back to it and uh, I watched all these movies last week, which um, took up my week, but it was a good call. It's quite the feat. I think I did it. Some, well, I did something similar-esque. I, did I? I can't remember. There was only five when I had to do them, so... It was a little easier for me, but I think I watched one like it was like one a day or one every second day or something. Mm -hmm. And I started with five, though. No, no. I had seen five before. I saw that in theaters. And it was very confusing. I mean, it was still a good movie, but, you know, coming into the franchise at Scream 5 is not not the greatest place to start it. But also it was kind of a reboot, so it didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And it definitely piqued my interest because I always thought Scream was a slasher movie and it is a slasher movie, but it's, there's um, a lot of comedy elements, a lot of meta comment. I like, this feels like it was doing meta commentary way before meta commentary humor became, you know, relatively big. I want to say in the 2010s, right? Yeah. I definitely don't think Scream was the first self-aware slasher movie. But it was probably the, like, it was definitely the template for self-aware slasher movies. And it was probably the first big one. 
because, uh, you know, scary movie, for example, the very first scary movie is directly a parody of Scream, which is already kind of a parody of horror movies. It's just not a, like, targeted parody of anything specific. Yeah, that's why I remember being very surprised because I've seen scary movie a lot of times, actually. I, I really like some of those movies. And yeah, it's it's very much it's very heavily inspired by Scream, but I so but because of that, I thought Scream must be like a straight up slasher movie because why would scary movie parody, you know, a parody movie so hard? But they really do. And honestly, I think Scary Movie does. They they're able to take a lot of the the scenes and actually make them quite funny, even though because in Scream there is there is a lot of there there there's kind of a, a weird it's like it's a thriller first, but there's kind of a weird backdrop of like all the characters are like, hey, like, are we in a scary movie? You know? So it's it doesn't really it doesn't really clash too much. And I could see how Scary Movie made a parody work, even though, yeah, they're parodying I mean, a parody, which is just confusing. <laughs> we're, we're less than five minutes in, but I'm already thinking, like, it would have been really interesting to, like, watch Scary Movie and not another teen movie and then Scary Movie, because I'm pretty sure that, like, Scary Movie draws specifically from those two movies, which are already parodies, which is, like... Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Scream, like, <laughs> I uh, I remember you talking about Scream on our episode at the end of the year last year. Um, you'd put it in, I think, I think you'd put it in your top five, excluding any movies we talked about already that year. And um, you'd mentioned, it sounded so funny to me because you'd mentioned that, like, in Scream 5, they... Uh, part of the plot revolved around a um, ar- around Ryan Johnson creating the in-universe Stab 8, which was like in-universe movies based on the Scream franchise, which I thought was so funny. And then I watched this franchise and that's literally happening from the second movie. Like in movie two, they already are like talking about how stab came out and stab was kind of bad and also like everyone hated and and also like the people involved in it uh in the in the mystery kind of hated it for ruining in their lives so i didn't realize that like scream was that into the meta commentary that early until i actually watched these yeah i mean they set it up they they have the 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 meta commentary character established from the first one. <laughs> like yeah. you need, you need that character to make it work. And I mean, you see later in the series why it, it works. So, cause they bring it back, they bring a in scream five and six, they bring a new generation of people. And then they, they also bring in a new meta commentary person. Um, just because that, you know, that role is necessary, but then it also, it just, it, it, it helps keep the series distinct. Um, I think, it's able to survive so long because it's so self-aware and it's not self-aware so much that it, it like really throws it in your face either. Like I think I've seen a lot of, a lot of, you know, TV shows and movies where 
the meta commentary can kind of get it's like the the franchise or the story relies on the meta commentary at a certain point to bring it forward you know um whereas scream was never relying on it it was like i said earlier it was just kind of a backdrop and for the most part they usually have like solid characters and kind of an interesting mystery and cool um set pieces to make the movie good up front and then the meta commentary kind of keeps it going keeps it lighthearted and keeps the franchise um interesting and separates it from everything else because i can't imagine watching six movies of just people getting stabbed for no reason but <laughs> having it be six movies and people are being stabbed but it's because of the everlasting meta commentary of stab within scream or something like i think that's just really it just adds you know another layer i think this is sort of like building on what you're saying i think what's really nice about scream is scream's meta commentary is like it's self-aware but it never feels like the next murder happens because it's supposed to it feels like and this is an important distinction it's it feels like it happens because someone in universe thinks it's supposed to like when, um, when it's commenting on a movie, it's doing it fully diegetically because like um, when they bring in, you know, the idea of the stab movies, when people start um, doing things based on what would happen in a horror movie they do them based on what would happen in the stab movies, not based on like what happens in real life horror movies that must happen next. It's like they're specifically doing copycat murders based on these movies that exist in universe. Which is just like a whole nother level of weird. And it just, it just adds so much to different I mean, I feel like at this point it's getting a little, they're running out of reasons for why there's a new stab person, but it just, it gives a little bit more of a motive, you know, to switch it up. Like, I don't know if we're doing spoilers, but like in Scream 5, there's like the commentary about he's doing it because it's like the reboot, essentially, (laughs) like he's tired of bad remakes, so he wants to make a good remake. Um, in, In Scream 2, isn't it like, the guy wants to prove that movies can cause people to want to murder people or something. And then he goes ahead Honestly, and murders like, people. <laughs> so we'll talk about it a, a lot more when we talk about Scream 6. But Scream 2 and Scream 6 are kind of some of my favorite social commentary, period. Because like they're specifically about, especially at the time of Scream 2, which I think came out around the time of the Columbine shootings. Uh mm a major like theme in news and a major discussion at the time was how does media influence how we interact with the world and specifically in the case of columbine in the columbine shootings like there were all sorts of pundits that would come with the ideas of like oh, they shot up the school because they were really into scary movies or because they were Mm. really into scary music or, you know, whatever. Which I think is a remarkably absurd idea on its face. But I think that Scream 2 sort of, within its extremely heightened universe, takes that idea seriously and shows how ridiculous it is. 
but also mm-hmm. like that's kind of the theme of that whole movie is like you've got a person in a high in in a college at this point who is showing that he's on a mission to prove some point about how scary movies can influence you and make you do silly things or like murderous things, violent things, which mm-hmm. is a very weird point to want to prove, but it's what he's doing in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> well, that's, I love, I love it when the, the story, the more ridiculous, the reason for killing them is, I think it's just way better. Um, I think, <clears throat> well, I mean, I think in the first one, the, the Billy, Billy Loomis's reasoning was, was actually like, there's like a very dark story behind it. Right. Um, which I liked and I thought that was a good reason too. But like once we get, cause I feel like scream two is when the, the, the cheesiness and meta commentary element like really kicks in, you know, like I feel like in the first one they just kind of tease it, but then like, you know, in scream two when they add the stab franchise into it, you know, the reasoning behind him is he wants to blame uh, violent movies for killing pe- for people, killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and like also the i think the meta commentary what's his what's his name in the the first five it's i mean there's billy loomis but, in the first one but who is it you're talking about in the first met, five it's like the yeah it's like well it's that he dies in two uh halfway through he's just the guy who's like the guy gives them played the by jamie kennedy his name is randy randy yeah but yeah, oh yeah, Randy just has more of a role in that one too. They they're talking about there's a lot of talk about sequels and how sequels are always worse and blah blah blah. Um, Randy Meeks. Yeah, Randy Meeks. Yeah, he was a really good character. I was actually really, um, I was really. I think they also knew they made a huge mistake when they when they killed him in two, but like, because you see in three when I thought the videotape thing was so stupid, the like bringing him back. But also, like, I can't even be mad because I was just mad they killed him off in two. It was so, like, it was my favorite part of three, where Randy Meeks come back comes back and explains what the third movie is about. That is my favorite part <laughs> of the third movie through videotape, knowing he would yeah. die. <laughs> like, it's really funny, but also I I think it just showed that they were like shit. Like, it turns out these movies really don't work unless we have someone that can make fun of the fact that they're in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't really want to cast anyone new because that'd be weird. So I, I'll give them props for do, coming up with a very odd but creative way to do it. But um, yeah, I think I think killing him off was a bad choice because also Scream Three was just I I kind of I have a soft spot for it. I think just because it's just so weird and like it's I think it's the only one to go really far into the meta the meta stuff like literally being on the movie set of the of scream 2 was it stab 2 no stab 3 are they making stab 3 at that time i think it was stab 3 but all of the movie sets were recreating um locations from the first okay yeah there so there was like it's bad but also like it's just so cheesy in early 2000s that i kind of like it so it kind of works, but yeah. But well, guess... the point being, Randy Meeks. <laughs> yeah. Randy Meeks. I think that that's where a lot of these movies, every screen movie has this, and it also really relies on it, so you really have to do it well. They all have a scene 
where someone just flat out explains what's going to happen in the movie or what has happened in the movie, <laughs> but in a diegetic way, like in a way that is within the context of the movie. It's not like a narrator or anything, which I think is something very unique to the screen series and also like extremely important. I, I feel like that scene, wherever it is in the movie, like always has the potential to make or break the entire movie. Like in the first one, it's done really well at the very end where Gail Weathers sums up the entire movie, but also the way that she sums it up is like as if she was explaining how the plot of a very generic horror movie, like exactly what happens in a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, the second movie has Randy Meeks do it. The third movie has Randy do it in my in one of my personal favorite scenes in like any of the Scream franchise. And like every other movie has someone come in specifically to explain not just what has happened in this movie, but specifically what has happened, like what happens in this part of a horror franchise. Like Randy Meek's entire uh, monologue in Scream 3 is about the difference between a sequel and the third part of a trilogy and why that's an important distinction to make, which is like, honestly, something I hadn't thought about up until then. And also like a, just a really good speech that also like shows how Scream 3 should be different from Scream 2. And it is different in those ways. Those ways aren't necessarily good. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, they're not necessarily, I mean, they're not necessarily terrible either. Because I, I think Scream 4 was obviously like they wanted to kind of return it to its roots of, you know, being in a small town. And um, and I did, I, I think Scream 4 was pretty well done too. But it also felt like they were retreading and it felt a little tired, you know. Um, well... And Scream 4, I think Scream 4 suffers from one of the worst decisions in the entire franchise, which is right at the very beginning. Scream 4 starts with a really, really funny sequence of like cold opens, but to different stab movies before actually getting to the cold open of Scream 4. <laughs> yeah. And Scream 4 is supposed to be about reboots and like mm. remakes so Scream 4, the whole thing is supposed to be a remake of the first Scream movie. But the best, like, at the very beginning, the cold open of Scream 4 is supposed to mirror the cold open of Scream 1. And then, like, after the cold open of Scream 1, after the uh, title card flashes, you get the police investigating the scene of that crime that happened in the beginning of Scream 1. And that's yeah. supposed to happen in Scream 4, too. But yeah. Bob Weinstein cut the part where the police investigate the crime afterwards, which I think is the single worst decision in the entire franchise. Oh, like, wow. Okay. There are... Not all of the movies in the franchise are fantastic. So, like, there are definitely, you know, poor poor ideas that went into some of them and resulted in better or worse parts of movies. But I think that Scream 4, to me, is... Uh, to me, Scream 4 is a little unfocused and, like, 
doesn't deliver on what it sets out to do. And I think the easiest way to fix that would be to leave in the one scene that connects the cold open to the rest of the movie. Like, I don't think that would have necessarily made Scream 4 a good movie, but it would have made it (laughs) logically consistent and it would have, like, it would have made the theming so much better to just have the part that is about that theme in the beginning. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, though. I thought the opening was... I think that's my favorite opening, personally. I was low-key kind of like... I was low-key kind of like, wait, what if I get a call? Like, is that me? Like, I'm a movie character or something. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think Scream Four was like a little ahead of its time, and I actually like, I think it, it, it was more, it's a lot more relevant now than it was back then. So I think it's a little underrated because of that reason. Um, but also, like, there was kind of a weird mix of, it's a legacy. It's, it was like a soft. It felt like it was kind of a reboot, but also not really because they brought in like a whole new cast of younger characters. But then I feel like we never really get a chance to bond with them because we're still kind of focused on the core three as the main characters. Yeah, that's that's Um, my biggest issue with Scream 4 is that it can't it feels like it can't decide whether it wants to be about the new characters or the old characters and I really think it needs to pick one because like not being able to decide between those, we don't get the chance to bond. Like you said, we don't get the chance to bond with the new characters and, you know, we have the chance to bond with the old characters, but we've had that for three movies. Like we don't need that. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I appreciate what they did, but I, cause I actually thought like the younger cast had a lot of potential too. They were just mostly like the people that were going to die, essentially, (laughs) except for I thought Emma Roberts actually really stood out in that movie. And I was very surprised how much how well I think she did, especially when she went crazy. You know, I thought the whole her stabbing her her stabbing herself in front of um, Sydney and or no, I wasn't was in front of Sydney. I can't remember. It was it was in front of Sydney. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, I remember watching that and then like. Then she stabbed herself and then she had to keep fighting anyways afterwards or something. Yeah, I would have to rewatch Scream 1 and Scream 4 like back to back. But I'm pretty sure that in Scream 4, when Emma Roberts kind of goes crazy and like makes the crime scene, I'm pretty sure she recreates all of the things that happen in Scream 1, but by herself. Where in Scream 1, there's like three people involved in making any of those things happen. Like, she breaks through the glass table. She, like, throws herself against a painting. She stabs herself at least once, maybe multiple times, actually. (laughs) And, like, I'm pretty sure that all of that is stuff that happened in Scream 1, but she does it alone, which is wild. Yeah, (laughs) because she kills the the other nerd guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I remember, I think her reaction, because, yeah, they do do that in one where he, I mean, actually, actually, that was really funny, too. I think every time the the killer, because I think, no, they do that in five as well. Every time they stab themselves, it's just like, it's just so weird and funny. But uh, I just remember Emma Roberts really sticking out to me with that, because I, I don't, I remember her thinking she was like very wooden before it. And I mean, to be fair, I think that's, that seems like a common theme. I love how I think one of my favorite things is I loved how 
unhinged some of these characters get once they once they reveal to be evil like i'll i'll never forget um i actually really loved who's the guy that plays shaggy what's his uh, name matthew lillard matthew lillard in the first one i i legitimately think that's like an absolute amazing performance <laughs> like that was I, like an oscar worthy performance after he stopped after he reveals himself as the killer actually even I before think, i thought he was great all around yeah i think matthew lillard <clears throat> is my favorite performance in these movies like jamie kennedy is a close second but matthew lillard like in one single movie i think steals the show so hard mm-hmm. um that like I, you know, every single movie, I remember watching Scream 1. I was like, oh, Matthew Lillard is in this. I'll bet he's in all of them. And I really wish he was. Because, uh, yeah. like, I, um, yeah, I think Matthew Lillard just sells so hard what this movie series is about on a more serious level. Because I think that what Scream does so well with its meta commentary, but, like, using its meta commentary i think what it does so well is it shows the idea that we are potentially that people are influenced by the media they consume and i think matthew lillard is the best version of that because Mm. while he is in his movie he's one of the bad guys but he's not like a he's actually not a psychopath he is like a person who's killing for the clout essentially and Mm -hmm. he one of a pair where the other guy is the actual like he's the actual the other guy is the actual psychopath and i think the like my favorite scene in the entire series is where matthew lillard is about to die and he starts bargaining for his life like i didn't know what i was doing and like (laughs) one hand it's you know on the one hand he's a killer bargaining for his life but also you believe it because the way acted in this whole movie has been like so immature that when he when you like see that realization in his eyes that he messed up something fierce at the very end it's like oh he actually somehow didn't mean for things to get this far he just like didn't see other people as human beings (laughs) it's not his fault (laughs) It's not that it's not his fault necessarily, but it's like you kind of, in a weird way, you kind of get it where it's like, oh, he didn't realize the consequences of his actions. Yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult thing to do in a movie that involves murderers and um, is not something that I want to see in most movies involving murderers. But I think that Matthew Lillard like really pulls it off. Yeah, no, he he does amazingly well. He he captures that manic in like I guess insanity very well. But yeah, you also kind of feel bad. I'm watch I'm watching in the background this the scene where he like asks to get stabbed. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? And then they like stab each other. I don't know. It's just it's so funny. And I think that's I mean, that's what really sells the franchise in the first one, you know. Like they have the meta commentary, but like that third act reveal where uh i mean it's the first one so you you really didn't expect it to be two people because i feel like i don't i don't know it's like always one person usually right but in scream they they seem to do two just because and two makes a lot of sense because it, it's really tough to to get a track on two people you know so you you yeah. truly never know who it is so 
I really like that aspect. And just the, all the blood and all the insanity of, of those third act reveals is what makes these movies. And I think the first and second ones do it very well. The third one was a little eh, which I think why it, it doesn't deliver is hard too, because I don't like, you don't really care that much about the director, honestly. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of the victims were just actors that you don't really get to know either. So it kind of, it kind of falls down that way, but I do like how they gave him a bulletproof vest in three. And it's cool that they never set that up in one and two. So three, it gives them, you know, he gets shot and then you're like, oh, like he got shot. It like must be chill. And then, you know, he's wearing a bulletproof vest, which feels very obvious in hindsight. But And and three sets up at one point, you know, in Jamie Kennedy's speech, he sets up the idea that in in the third movie in a trilogy, you're dealing with something supernatural, something that can't be killed by knives or guns or whatever. And like, so when he gets shot and he doesn't die, that feeds into that, right? Yeah, it was just, it felt like they upped up the ante. And I did like that aspect. Um, and I, I also kind of like how it tied into the first one of just apparently, I just feel really bad for Sydney's mom. Apparently, <laughs> she really got around, you know, like, um, and, uh, but I did like the tie in of like, like he's real, he's he's the one that orchestrated the events of the first movie in the end, which I thought was just a cute way of sort of wrapping the first trilogy up. But yeah, he, I think his his villain didn't work out very well. I thought Timothy Oliphant though, in two, great captured the insanity very well though, as well of the guy. And I liked I liked his. I just I think the less sense the killer makes, the better it is. Like every time. And, uh, yeah, actually, yeah. I uh, I don't know that I would put it quite like that, but I think I agree because like I think Scream does villains that aren't. I think we I mean we just talked about whodunits on last week's episode, but I think that Scream does it really well. Where uh, technically the clues are kind of there for you, so you can figure it out. But mm-hmm. when you actually hear from the villain what the villain's motivations are, they're so strange. That it's like, oh, I wouldn't have figured this yeah. out, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. Um, um, but what do you think of Wes, Wes Craven as as Mr. Director for the first four? I I think that Wes Craven, I think Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson are an amazing, te- amazing team. Kevin Williamson being the writer of the first, uh, of, of one, two, and four. I think they're a great team because like Wes Craven, like, no one knows horror better than Wes Craven while Wes Craven is alive and working. And so bringing him in to do like kind of a deconstruction of a genre that he helped make is, is really good. And I think that he not only gets that, but he fully understands how to do Kevin Williamson's scripts perfectly. Like I don't have an example for, you know, some director not, doing justice to Kevin Williamson scripts because I don't know a lot of Kevin Williamson scripts, but like uh, Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven together, it just make these movies what they are. And I think that Wes Craven being a well-known horror director knows it just gets that balance. Perfect. Perfect. Of how to make these movies both actually terrifying while still making them pretty funny I notice a lot that all of the Scream movies up until Scream 4 look like they were shot in the the 90s, 
which, you know, makes sense with the first two, but even the, even the third and the fourth kind of like bring back that aesthetic. Like, even if there were other movies at the time, which looked quote unquote better. Um, and beyond that, like just the, the, like framing techniques that are used. Uh, there's a lot of Dutch mm. angles in these movies. Uh, yeah. And the way that like scenes play out, um, you know, characters where the placement of where characters are, Wes Craven just like knows really well how to build tension in horror movies. And he makes it work really well for these movies, which could under slightly different direction, these could be, hilarious comedies and as they are he manages to like still make them very funny but make them um fit squarely within horror even within that framework which i think is uh you know no no one else can do it like wes craven yeah i it, it is really funny that he was basically one of the people that created the genre and he's like you know what now i'm gonna uncreate the genre almost and make fun of it and it's and maybe it's like him low key kind of being like this is why everyone else like everyone else ruined my genre almost and I'm gonna show them how they did it. Uh, but I, I, I don't uh, think I I don't think it's petty like that. I think he just he has a genuine love of the genre, and mm-hmm. it's when you love something, it's it's very fun to to or it's very nice. It can be fun to poke poke at it. Yeah, and, and like I definitely don't have a good argument for this. But I do kind of wonder, because Scream 5 is about the idea of elevated horror, which is like a type of horror movie that's sort of arisen in the last 10 years or so with people like Jordan Peele and Ari Aster and Robert Eggers to some degree. And like, I kind of wonder if these Scream movies aren't at least some... um, influence on that entire on on the entire direction that horror took after the 2000s because while scream definitely fits very squarely into 90s and 2000s horror you know we stopped getting as many slashers like saw and scream and final destination after maybe about 2012 they didn't fall off the map entirely but it sort of started to fall out of vogue and we started to get movies which were like a lot of horror movies, which have always existed, at least to some degree. But we started to get horror movies that are like about something else and the horror, even if it's very explicit, is technically secondary to whatever the whatever point the movie's trying to make. And I wonder if Scream isn't uh, part of the reason for that. Not the whole reason, but at least part of it. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, I think I, like maybe you're right. There's like an Austin Powers kind of level of influence there where it's like once you deconstruct it, where can you really go from there? But yeah. And I, well, I, I do think that Scream 5 and 6 are able to, because you, like you said, when Wes was directing it, there was such an early 2000s, late 90s, like just feel to it. 5 and 6 feel like very, very modernized whether that's for good or worse, I guess we'll talk about later, but um, they, they feel like there's a fresh, like, I, I think they look great, like production quality wise. Um, I think, I think the, like the, like the lighting and everything, like the violence looks better too. Like they, they definitely um, wanted to 
modernize it. And it seems to be working and connect with people because I mean, we're talking about Scream still and yeah. uh, Scream 4 came out in what, 2011, right? So 2011. like 11 years later, they made a new one and uh, they're, they're going to have made three in the span of like two years, I want to say, which, which is crazy, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, I guess before we start talking about before we start talking about Scream Six, I am curious about your ranking of the Scream movie, Scream movies up until six, like just the first uh, five. I would say, oh geez, I I think I do like two, one, five, nah, two, one, and then five and four maybe tied, and then three is lost. I I think for me I would do two and one essentially tied like most days I'll put two just a little bit ahead of it but they are both so good that like I put yeah. them both at the top and then I would say I would put four ahead of five and then three at the bottom but like I don't know I like all of these movies actually but uh, I would say I would say two one. Two one four five three. Two one five four three. Okay, so yeah, pretty similar. Yeah, um, I think we I think we flip four and five in our rankings. Maybe yeah. <clears throat> I'm kind of yeah. I think they're both good in their own ways, but um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so, well, I guess do you want... do you wanna do you wanna talk about what Scream Six is about? Uh, Scream 6 is about there's a killer on the loose. No way! And they're in New York this time, and they're kind of in college. And, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of it. (laughs) That's every Scream movie. Except they're in New York. With with Scream 6, it's important to point out that it specifically builds on two things. It parallels Scream 2, where in Scream 2, the characters from Scream 1 are in college. And in Scream 6, the characters from Scream 5 are in college. And then the other thing is that it builds specifically on Scream 5 because it continues those characters. And a major, major plot point of Scream 5, which I know you've mentioned before, but I don't know if you've mentioned in the last 30 minutes, uh, is that Scream 5 is about, about, at least in part, toxic fandoms. And yeah. Um, yeah, actually, as you definitely did mention, the, the villain of Scream 5 wants to commit murders that would be adaptable into a better sca- stab movie than the current one that they've got by Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Um, I do. I do like how I, I feel like there's a like they're able to make fan of, fun of the fandom, but in like and not it's it, i don't know how to say it it's like there's some like i'd say in she hulk they were making fun of like reddit and the fandom and stuff but it'd be like in a very like these guys are complete losers and like assholes type way right whereas in mm. scream i don't know why but it just feels like they're like kind of they're the same people as us but like they also make fun of themselves you know like there's just I, the, there's it feels like there's a difference in the tone of it well, I think that at least a major component of that is that the Scream fandom isn't as large as most other fans. Well, that too. <laughs> like, no matter how She-Hulk ended up making fun of Marvel fans, it's going to piss someone off because Marvel fans are such a huge and actually relatively diverse group 
that, you know, I really resonated with the, uh, with the commentary in She-Hulk, but also I hate vocal Marvel fans, which She-Hulk also does. So like, (laughs) you know, that ends up working. But like with Scream, how many vocal Scream fans are there that are talking that's about true. how Four ruined the franchise? Yeah, very no, few. That's a good point. I'm not going to say they don't <laughs> exist, but there's very yeah. few. I'd be very concerned if someone. I mean, I, I'd be concerned if anyone was like this movie ruined my childhood. But um, I don't. I I think there's very few people that say that for Scream. So that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah. No, I. Like Scream 6 is, I like that they're in a new setting, first of all, like New York. I like the city, um, which I think is important for the franchise because, you know, other than the setting, how else do you really switch up the movies, you know? I think Uh, it's a problem that Scream has to like reckon with in just about every movie because the first, like every single movie is such a skewering of, or it goes out of its way to be a skewering of horror movies to the point where, like, how do you make a sequel that, but, but, like, talks just as much and criticizes just as much about horror movies? You could do it, but you always have to find a new angle. Otherwise, your movie doesn't have a reason to exist. So having a new setting is eventually going to be extremely important. And, you know, if it wasn't going to be Scream 6, then... I don't, I don't know why it took until Scream 6 to make it such... To, like, bring it into that... Uh, into that kind of a setting. Yeah, it is kind of surprising. I guess I guess it's maybe it's a lot cheaper to film in a small town. But even so, it's also kind of... They didn't really... I wish they made more use of that aesthetic. Um, in like Scream 2... I mean, maybe that's just something the new franchises aren't as good... The, the new franchises aren't as good as doing. But I mean, I feel like Scream 1, 2, and 3... And you could kind of say four. They really use the the aesthetic of the place they're in to their fullest. You know, mm-hmm. like Scream Three being on a movie set. You know, it's a movie set. You really feel that because everything can't is happening. It's a movie set. Yeah, they keep reminding you, right? My my second favorite scene in Scream Three, like my favorite scream scene in Scream Three, is where Jamie Kennedy gives his monologue. My second favorite scene is a chase scene that happens in a hospital, except it's a movie set hospital. And yeah. <laughs> like when um, when the person who's being chased is trying to fight off the killer, she can't because even though she has access to dozens of knives, they are all made of plastic because it is a movie set. Yeah. Like you can't forget that Scream 3 happens in a movie set. Yeah. They, yeah. And then the same thing with 2 where everything happens on campus and... You know, even like the third act is on like the school stage and everything. So like you really feel that, you know, in yeah. Scream 5 and 6, like 5 is just kind of it's in a small town. But I, I don't really feel like that was important. Uh, Scream 6 happens in New York and they're at a university, but I never feel like you'd get much university stuff or New York stuff. You um, get like more New York stuff than university stuff, though. Yeah. Ultimately, it ends up like the final act, which is, I think, the biggest act, does not use the fact that they're in New York or in a university at all. It uses yeah. a third location that isn't really thematic in the same ways. 
The third yeah. location ends up kind of making sense and ties into the ultimate themes of the movie, but it doesn't tie into the setting of the movie at that up until that point, really. Yeah, which is a little disappointing because all the memorable scenes in Scream 6, I'd say like the subway scene and the scene in the convenience store to me were my favorite my favorite two scenes just because of the the sets and and um, the scene in the convenience store is also so different from anything i would have expected in any scream movie like in my opinion the scene in the convenience store is one of the funniest scenes in this entire series (laughs) because a guy in a ghost face mask comes into a convenience store with a shotgun and goes postal which yeah. goes against every single thing that we know about Ghostface up until that point. And, you know, because of that is so funny that like, I think I was actually laughing during the whole scene, which is weird because it's not even a scene that's played for laughs. It's a dude coming into a convenience store and shooting everybody with a shotgun. Like it is a very uh, heavy scene, all things considered. And it is yeah. still one of the funniest ones in the entire series. Inten- <laughs> intentionally or not, I'm actually not sure. Yeah, I I mean, I thought it was, I, I like that because it was very brutal. Yeah. Um, I think the the funny aspect does kind of come from, like, I just feel bad. It's like, like, why did you run into the convenience store? Like, you could have gone so many other places, but all these innocent people died because you were just like, yeah, let's run to this convenience store. Hopefully someone will stop him, you know? Um, I mean, I think the funny, the the humor of it comes from the fact that in Scream is a movie, is a movie series that is, when you think about it in certain ways, it's hard to understand how it even became a series because it's a series that's based on subverting expectations wherever it can. Mm-hmm. And like... Yeah when you have a series that's based around subverting expectations, it's actually kind of hard to do that because you're always expecting whatever it is you think you're not, you you think you should the opposite of whatever it is you think you should be expecting. And then like having seen five screen movies up until this point, literally no possible thing I could be expecting was for a dude in a ghost face mask to have a shotgun and be in a convenience (laughs) store. It yeah. is actually like one of the few times where the series is fully able to subvert expectations, which in a series about that carries with it the added baggage that it feels weird when it actually does. Yeah. <laughs> I uh I think I don't think Ghostface ever hesitates to pick up a gun. I think I've seen him with no, a pistol before. Yeah, he's definitely had a pistol in a few places. And especially, yeah. like, once Ghostface gets revealed, the choice of weapon becomes less... Uh, Doesn't matter, yeah. ...important to his character. Yeah, but they all definitely prefer to use a knife yeah. if they can. Um, yeah, I, I think... Like, yeah, Ghostface was scary. I liked I liked those aspects. I think the cast was a little uneven this time. I actually liked, I thought five. the cast in five was better. In some ways, I think Melissa Barrera, the main the main actor, uh, did better this time because I think her character had more to work with. But I think in Scream 5, I thought the cast was more well-rounded for the new, the new crew, if that makes sense. I think the four were the core four were good this time. Yeah. Um, 
but all the additions felt very tacked on and they didn't really have much to do. Like you just kind of had girl who is funny because she sleeps with all, a lot of guys and you have girl that is a lesbian. I think that was like her only real character. trait. <laughs> and well, and like there's, there's a guy who is funny specifically for the opposite reason of the girl, because he doesn't sleep with anyone and he's a virgin in, in college. Which is yeah. Joke. Yeah, that those felt really tired, and it didn't really up the stakes for me at all, which was disappointing. And I think that's that's the main issue I had with this was, I think the characters just weren't as well done this time around. Even like the legacy, like I I just I really miss Dewey from the first five movies. I thought I think he was the heart of the franchise, and I think killing him off, in my opinion, was a mistake. But also. I think maybe David Arquette was tired of doing these movies, which I could totally see. I mean, I would say that, like, if you're going to kill off any legacy character, Dewey is the wrong choice because he's the best one. Right, but yeah. Like, I, I, but, like, I don't know. I don't think that the Scream movies necessarily shouldn't have legacy characters. They actually, like go out of their way to explain why legacy characters are important in <laughs> in the in the type of movie that they're in when they actually yeah. have those monologues but like i think that in scream 5 and 6 the legacy characters are less good than they should be like i thought that nev campbell and courtney cox in scream 5 were uh kind of bad and I didn't care that much for Courtney Cox and Hayden Panettiere in Scream 6. I didn't hate them, but I don't think they did, like... I don't think they were that important in this movie. Yeah, Courtney... I mean, they don't even give Courtney Cox a scene where you find out... Where you see her being alive again, you know? <laughs> like, like, she didn't die, I know that, but, like... No, we no, don't that's Jeff get... Campbell you're thinking of. Because Courtney Cox has a full... Uh, scene in Scream 6. No, no, but I mean afterwards. Like, because she she gets stabbed, right? Oh! And then we don't right. even see her come back in any way. We're just... Uh, I, like, maybe there were scheduling issues or something, but she's only in the movie for, like, 10 minutes. I don't um, think they specific... Yeah, I don't think they confirm or deny one way or another that she's alive or dead. Um, yeah, they just say, like, oh, she has a pulse. Like, let's move her, but... Oh, I guess she okay. could have died. Well, I doubt. I highly doubt she died, but um, okay. I would have been really angry because she she really had nothing to do in this movie, and she was just kind of shoved in. And yeah. I didn't. I did not like the whole "oh, she betrayed them again" angle. Like, like, come on! It's been like it's been six movies. Like, I think by now she should have, you know, learned to not profit off of the murders. Like, that's been her. That's been her whole arc for like the past five movies. Yeah. And then to see her doing again, just like, okay, this feels a little tired. Um, yeah, Dewey missing, I think, kind of affected it. And then I'll, Nev Campbell, I'm not too... It's like, if they can't really do much for the characters, just leave him out. I'm kind of happy with Nev Campbell just being left out of this one. Well, and I would also say that, like, the legacy characters are... The main characters of the Scream franchise are hugely important in the first three. And since then, like, in 4, 5, and 6, I just don't feel like they have enough to do where you couldn't just leave them out. 
Like, David Arquette as Dewey is very, very good in Scream 5. But Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox, like, they don't matter enough in Scream 5 where I cared that they were there. And, like, they don't have very much to do in Scream 6. And uh, even in Scream 4, like, they're taking away from the characters that were there before. I mean, as much as I like the legacy characters and they were good in the first three, I feel like the later movies, with the exception of five and having David Arquette as Dewey, I feel like the later movies just, like, don't benefit from the legacy characters as much as the legacy characters bring them down. Like, I, my biggest problem with four was that it couldn't decide if it wanted to be about the new characters or the legacy characters. With five, I don't think Nev Campbell or Courtney Cox really had that much to do. And in six, like, well, Courtney Cox, once again, doesn't have very much to do. And, like, it just sort of, it doesn't feel exactly like she was just shoved in, but it feels feels like like excluding her (laughs) character. Yeah, okay, it feels a little bit like that. I was just going to say, like, it feels like if they had just decided to let her go and not put her in there, they could have done much more with that space. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're literally like her, her character's in trouble because they're literally like, oh, no press allowed. They literally excluded her from, <laughs> from the plot multiple times, um, which, you know, I just kind of annoying. And the same thing with Hayden Panettiere. I, I don't like how they're, it's like they lost Nev Campbell from negotiations and they're just like, all right, we're going to replace her with another legacy character. Who do we got? Oh, uh, uh, Hayden Panettiere. She still acts. Let's get her. And then when she shows up on screen, there's like such a weird, like the score becomes like so dramatic and like hopeful. And it's just like, she was just like a random girl that from the fourth movie, like, I don't care. No one cares about her, if I'm going to be honest. Honestly, like, the way that I like to see Scream 6 is as a direct parallel to Halloween Kills. And, like, if you look at it like that, it's actually kind of funny. Because in Halloween Kills, they brought back, I think it's Anthony Michael Hall. Why? Because he was a kid in Halloween 2. And they were like, (laughs) what if we get one of the guys from Halloween 2? And they did. Why? No one watched that movie. Like, it's not that important. Yeah. But he is back. Well, I I think there's a difference of, like, bringing someone back and then, like... Like, I guess I didn't mind him because I feel like it... Like, honestly, you could watch Halloween Kills and be, like... Anthony Michael Hall felt like a new character. Yeah, exactly. Like, there was no relation between the two, like... But there wasn't a huge deal of, like, look, guys, it's Anthony Michael Hall back from when he was a kid like 40 years ago this was more but in scream six they're just kind of like oh look it's that girl that almost died in scream four um that was attractive and she was like that's it and she she had a thing for nerdy guys that's the only because in scream four they never even develop any of the characters right so how why would you bring back a legacy character that we don't care And, and like i wouldn't care as much but it's just it was so obvious that they were trying to make it a big deal that she was back. And I was just like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. And it's just like, like, let, let the story move on. But then I also don't feel like the new cast other than the two, the the sisters, 
and well the core four except i don't really like what's his name i don't like the guy i think he's annoying personally is his name chad yeah no yeah his name's literally chad i think <laughs> yeah i think he was like isn't it wasn't he was he friends with jenna ortega first or like who who is he friends with the older sister or the younger sister in the first in the stream five i think jenna ortega Okay. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know whose friend group they're in or whatever, but um But yeah, anyways, I just I didn't like him. I thought I thought he was kind of uh he was kind of annoying in my opinion. And I was kind of happy when he died and I was kind of upset when he was stabbed like 20 times and he didn't die. Um but yeah, I feel like I feel like he's supposed to be the Dewey where he's like protective of everyone. And it, he's like supposed to be the heart of the movie, but that feels like they're forcing it upon us. For Dewey, just it felt like he became like the heart of the franchise, you know, just because he's he's just very persistent um, mm-hmm. and caring, you know. And it's like they're trying to make up for it, but Chad isn't really. I think like Chad's the only thing I know about Chad is he he has a thing for Jenna Ortega's character, and that's kind of it. And there's nothing really else to him, you know. And like and, he gets yeah. to stick around because he's Mindy's brother, and Mindy is cool. Like Mindy yeah. is one of the good characters. Yeah, Mindy's. I I thought they casted her really well, and as much as I'm upset they got rid of Randy, I think she's actually just as good as Randy, in my opinion. She does a very good job. In yeah. That role. The Randy is the most important character in the Scream franchise. Period. Mm-hmm. And I think that she fills that role very well. Like, yeah. They, someone needs to be there, and she uh, she manages to make that work. Yeah. I loved I loved all the scenes of her being very suspicious of um, out of the virgin guy. The roommate. <laughs> roommate virgin guy. That's all I know him as. Yeah. Um, those scenes were funny. But, yeah, other, other than, like, but, you know, on the negative side, I think Scream 6... Well, when I first watched it, I think I really like it. When I think about it, it doesn't hold up as much. Like, I don't know, that scene in the apartment where they're going across the ladder was kind of well done, but I was just kind of scratching my head of like, why is the healthiest person going first? Um, Like, they're trying to hold the door back, and they leave the person whose guts are spilling out to go over last? Like, yeah. Like, I guess, was it implied that, she, like, I, I thought it'd be like she knew she was going to die. So she was just going to push the ladder away and Ghostface would come in and like finish her off. But she expected to live. And it's like, okay, if you guys expected her to live, why didn't you send over the most injured person first? Um, yeah. I just thought that was really weird. I didn't understand that. And it's just, it's just like they ended up killing all the characters that we already didn't know much about very early on, which kind of upped the stakes, but also like I didn't really feel anything. I kind of feel like in the first, honestly, as far as the first three Scream movies, the fact that the core characters stuck around for like, and became series regulars was like, that felt like a coincidence. Like it never, it always felt like, Nev Nev Campbell felt like she had plot armor, but it always felt like Courtney Cox or or David Arquette could die or that like, and that the reason they didn't was because they were either 
disconnected enough from the murder that they weren't around when people were dying or that like the murderer just didn't care about them. Yeah. So like, no, but then like in these movies, it really doesn't feel like the core four that are, that are there. It doesn't feel, it feels like they have plot armor. It was actually a little surprising when Chad died because as part of the core four, it doesn't feel like they can die. And the fact that most of them don't sort of reinforces that, where I didn't get that same feeling from the first four Scream movies. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, every time they lived... Well, maybe it's because I just liked them all more, too. I think they had a much more natural chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I love the... Like, Dewey being kind of like a, an older protective brother of Sydney and the rivalry. I actually... Oh, sorry, like, I um, starting in Scream Two, I had briefly forgotten that Dewey was Tatum's brother, and I actually thought that Dewey was like Sidney Prescott's brother for like three movies until mm. I think there was like a briefly like almost romantic scene between them or something, and I was mm. like, "Oh, wait a minute, that's right, he's <laughs> not her brother." Yeah, but yeah, no, that that was kind of one of my favorite parts of of how they. Because he didn't really have much reason to be in the movies after one, but like they brought him back just because, like the shared trauma, and he's just very protective of of uh, Randy and Sydney. Um, I just I I really like that element, and there was just it was just more of a natural chemistry. Like it felt like they all kind of cared about each other, and some of them hated each other. I loved, uh, I love, what was it? Courtney Cox and David Arquette's Courtney chemistry Cox. was really well done. I mean, they were married, mm-hmm. so it makes sense but like they like, there's just such a there's such a good back and forth between them um and that's still missing in this new franchise i think that's just there's not much natural chemistry um they kind of feel more like they're friends because they have to be rather than because they really bonded you know and i think that that kind of comes down to i don't think I still think the main character, like Melissa Barrera, is kind of wooden, and it kind of like it makes sense for her character, but I I don't think it adds much to it, and I don't think the the surrounding cast is different enough from her to really uh elevate the movie. You know, like if you look at the screams one to four, it's like, I mean, Nev Campbell's. I I don't think she's like a standout either but she's like the straight man i'd say and you have dewey who's like an ex-cop and then you have courtney cox who's like the news reporter and this they're all just kind of students and like they don't really do anything with their lives you know like there's no there's no different varied set of skills they're all just kind of a bunch of teenagers doing stuff and there's no variety to it and like it's it's the direction they've chosen to go with the new screen movies but one thing that um, this that Scream 5 and 6 really care about that actually was not that important in 1 through 4 is lore. Like, the main character being specifically related to Billy Loomis from the first one makes sense with the th- sort of commentary they're going with for Scream 5, but it's actually important for this new trilogy, which in the first four when a character was related to Billy Loomis, it was a final reveal and it was like a little bit important to the reveal, but it didn't have any further lore implications. Mm-hmm. Wherein like 
Scream 6, she in Scream 5 and Scream 6, the guy who plays Billy Loomis, Skeet Ulrich, is a recurring character as her as like the main character's conscience, which is very silly. It's it's like I if you're parodying modern horror, that's something that should come up, but that's a bad trope in modern horror. The Scream is a franchise like beelines it for bad tropes and doesn't always and like when when I when I'm saying a trope is bad, it's not good. Like it's you know, when they when they bring in a bad trope, you have to really work to make an interesting uh to make an interesting take on it. And Scream is sometimes able to do that and sometimes really isn't. And it's a shame that, like, when it doesn't work, it's the one that they have to stick with. Yeah, I, I, I think there's there like there is an element that's interesting with the whole oh maybe she's evil like her dad or something, but like like you said, like, I feel like the whole uh, person person talking through the character's conscience is like kind of, is a big cliche that I feel like the earlier screen movies would make fun of and Mm -hmm. but in this like that'd be like a motivation for one of the villains like oh like billy loomis is is my great-grandfather and he's been i'm he's been talking through me to me through random objects and this is why i've come to get my revenge or something um but and this is just kind of half-hearted like there's like a hint that oh maybe she's the killer because she's you know she enjoys killing it sounds like but that's never really like it's just used as a tease of like oh maybe she's evil but it doesn't really add much to the character like we kind of see a couple moments where uh she's kind of she looks a little excited when she's getting revenge um and i do kind of like that aspect but overall it's just it just feels very forced and very meh like even in five i remember doesn't she like overcome the killers and then she smiles at her dad's ghost like in the mirror and he kind of gives her like a nod or something and it's like like very spider-man 3 it's just it was so weird like you're why are you why are you giving props to your serial killer dad like like i don't know it's just very odd to me um and i i did the ending of this hints towards her maybe becoming evil and I actually was like very excited to see where that would go, but then it just fades away, and they were like, "Oh yeah, like no, she's fine now," um, which was very disappointing because I think Scream Seven would have been really cool if they were hinting that the main character actually was the killer and not like in a a cutesy little way, you know, like "Ooh, like maybe she's the killer." I don't know. I didn't like that. Well, I don't know. Scream Seven hasn't come out yet, so they still have time. That's true. If, if they do that in the next movie, I'd say it was all worth it. But so far, it's really not worth it. And if her grandfather or her dad was actually Stu from the first movie, I would have loved it. I would have I would have killed for that. I think it's just it makes so much. It would have been so much better because I, I just, the actor for Billy Loomis, just, he doesn't really he can't really bring much to the role. I mean, he's just a talking face, right? So it's like, well, and especially because Billy Loomis's first, like Billy Loomis's role in the first one is that he's a psychopath with very little characterization. Yeah, like, like he, he exists to be point. a cold-hearted killer, and yeah. his 
the fact like he works in that movie so well because everyone around him isn't him and has to deal with the fact that this guy exists yeah and like so you know him being coming back as like it's your destiny anakin kill everyone is like not (laughs) interesting because he's not an interesting character everyone around him was interesting I haven't thought about Billy Loomis at all since the first one. I, I I literally think about his sidekick more, like way more. And I think Stu, yeah, Stu would have been very good for a role like that. Even as just a time. I just imagine him yelling like, like, come on, man, like kill them all or something. And then she just got a straight face like, what the hell is he talking about? That would have been really nice. I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that direction, but. Also, or do we want to talk about the killers? A little bit, because this is actually where I think, uh, I guess, like, this has already been a very spoiler-heavy podcast, but, like, right now, this is this is the spoilers right. for Street 6, spoiler. if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the killers a bit. What do you, uh, what do you have to say about the killers? Uh, it was probably, like, my least favorite killer twist. Really? Because this yeah. is, like, I would say that, like... I liked this killer twist a lot, actually. Oh, wow, okay. T- please tell me why. Maybe I can enjoy it. Uh, because this is the first Scream movie where the killers do not care about the movies at all. And, like, like, like not at all. There's a little more to it than that. But they are basically unrelated to actually, in- to, like, being fans of the movies. Yeah. Um, up until this point, Scream 2, 3 four and five all revo- all have killers that specifically have some connection to the stab movies be that that they really like the stab movies that they want to make their own stab movie that they are in the case of three literally directing a stab movie or you know stuff like that all of them have some connection to that in this i thought what was really interesting about the commentary on this which actually makes it a better social commentary than a, than a meta commentary on horror is that in this movie, the killer does not care about the stab movies. He doesn't actually watch them. He doesn't like them. And his only familiarity with the stab movies is that his son really liked them, which I think is a really interesting twist. Actually. I um, just, because yeah, sorry, go ahead. I will explain more oh, okay. in a minute. I just I think the whole revenge thing is just really lame. Like it feels it feels like the it just feels kind of like a half retread of two where it's like the mom's getting revenge, but without like the Timothy Oliphant character being kind of insane. Because that's my favorite part. I, I like it when the twist is just so weird and it makes no sense. And I I actually really like the twist in five, like being about reboots and stuff um six just being like you killed my son doesn't feel as like that's that's something that so many movies have done right um right where it's just kind of like okay but for me what sets this apart from a standard revenge twist is it's not just you killed my son it's you killed my son so i'm going to reenact these murders based on the movies that he liked uh, or based on murders, based on the movies that he liked. Yeah, which so it's like a me, tribute. So exactly, that's what I thought was interesting. Is it's a tribute to this movie series that the person who is tributing the movie series doesn't even like very much, 
And what to me that said was it's like, it's like in the universe of the Scream movies, the Stab movies are so ubiquitous. And not only are they so ubiquitous, like everyone knows the Stab movies, but beyond that, there have been so many atrocities committed specifically based on the Stab movies that like um, the Stab movies and the atrocities based on them sort of become this recurring thing, almost like a curse where like, it's it sort of expands in my opinion on the toxic fandom uh, arguments of the fifth one by being like the fifth one. It was like, Oh, this toxic, these toxic fans do things because they want their old series back in this one. It's like someone is doing stuff specifically because of a fandom that he's not even in or like that he doesn't even have any relationship to except he's in this fandom and doesn't actually like the things that it's about. Like to me, that's like a star Wars fan who hasn't seen the movies, which sounds weird, but is a thing that exists. Like there's some people like just have no interest in the art, but have interest in the fandom and like come into the fandom and participate in the fandom, despite, you know, having zero interest in the actual art that it's about which I thought was like an interesting place for this to go. And uh, hearing you talk about it, it's very possible I'm reading more into it than I should. <laughs> but I think that like, by reading that much into it, it's it's a very interesting it thing in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, it just, it, it didn't work for me, especially with the, I didn't think like the, the actual murders were that, because the, the two murderers, the three murderers were three people that I think were by far the most boring characters. Like, again, we had virgin guy virgin roommate guy and uh the opposite of that uh roommate um roommate that is very promiscuous you know um like i i wasn't i remember when when he took his when the when the first guy took his mask off i was just kind of like wait is that the same is that roommate guy or is this a new character like i didn't even recognize him because like i i just did not care for the character at all and i didn't know him at all mm -hmm. Um, and the same thing with Mindy, I think her name is Mindy, right? Where she, she just, she dies so early that we don't really get much to do with her character. And then her being back, I thought it was kind of cool that, you know, she was killed and then she comes back. That was interesting, but it just, it didn't really work for me. I thought it was kind of like, I was just like, oh, they're there. And then the cop, I think the dad like he's the only one we actually kind of got to bond with, but he never was that interesting. And then also it's one of my favorite parts is how a boring character will become in interesting after you see the twist, which I think happens mm -hmm. a lot in the screen movies. I didn't, I actually thought his acting was very rough and I get what they were going for it. Like, like once the, the character's normal and then they do the twist and then all of a sudden they're like manic and crazy I thought he was just really bad at acting crazy. It felt very like, I don't want to say overacted because how do you overact crazy? But it just felt very um, phony and not and not in it. He's just like, like there was, he was like, oh, I'm just going to act crazy. But there was no psychotic element to it, in my opinion, that a lot of the other actors in the twists were able to portray pretty well. And he definitely doesn't benefit from the fact, like it's a neat twist in this movie that there are three killers, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't like the three killers. Like, I think that him, he's the most interesting of the three and he's definitely brought down significantly by the other two. 
in my opinion. Yeah. Um, well, I it might have been cooler if like it just it, like what did he do? Like <laughs> he can't have done that much if he there was three of them, you know. Yeah, and like I think one of the interesting things about him, maybe not really actually that interesting, but like one of the potentially one of the more one of the aspects of him that has more potential to be interesting is that he is like a mirror in some ways to uh, the whole Billy Loomis subplot that won't die. Like Melissa, is it Melissa Ferreira, the main character, her like reckoning with her past as a, as the daughter of Billy Loomis is mirrored in a way by the fact that the killer in Scream 6 is the father of her ex-boyfriend who was the killer in Scream 5. Um, so like, I guess that's like interesting and, or at least it's like, you know, it's got the potential to be interesting, but there's not, there's not much there. And it's definitely brought down by the rest of his, of the killer's family and all of them being crazy and having to, you know, not doing a very good job at out crazying each other, but kind of having to do that. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, there was like a lot. Um, I, th- I thought, jack jack quaid in scream five and his his girlfriend like his actual girlfriend at the time was like they did a a much better job at acting crazy um so yeah i i think that 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 kind of i thought it was a decent movie up until then but then that kind of cemented it to me as like uh like i don't know if this one was truly it didn't it didn't feel like it was truly in spirit of scream in my opinion i think it would have been cool if it was his motivation was more like, I hate the stab movies. <laughs> like it, it could have been more stupid. Like, I hate the stab movies. So I wanted to make one that would end the franchise because they killed my son and turned him into a murderer. So now I've become a murderer and I'm going to kill you and then frame you so that the movies can finally end or something. Like, I think that would have been way more funny and in line with the Scream franchise. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. If there's if the Stab franchise in universe hasn't ended yet, and it's actually <laughs> caused this many murders in universe, then it's never gonna end. Like, yeah, well, that's, yeah. They've clearly they've clearly gotten past that part. But yeah, anyways, I I just there's a good movie here. Like a, a ton was done really well, and it was a very enjoyable movie. I'm not saying it's not. It's definitely better than. Well, okay. I, Oh, now I'm like debating, is it better than Scream 3? Because Scream 3 was really bad, but I kind of like how bad it was. You know, whereas this was a very competently made movie, but I'm like, it's 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 it it kind of takes away from it because it was not as cheesy as I would have liked in some ways. So actually, one thing I did want to wa- want to talk about in this is you just said it's a very competently made movie. <laughs> Would you like to talk a little bit about the direction of this movie? Like the actual directing? Mm, I, I think it's really well what done. So I'm not sure how I feel about it because it's very, to reuse your word, competently done. But this movie looks and feels like any other horror reboot that's out right now. Which like, to their credit you know, horror reboots that are out right now look slick. They're like good looking movies, but also I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like kind of a boring look. 
I've seen it a lot of times. Like this movie doesn't look indistinguishable from Halloween Kills, but it looks a lot like Halloween Kills. And, you know, a little bit like that new Exorcist movie that's going to come out. So to me, the direction, like the directing of it is not as interesting as it should be. I don't want to fully say it's boring, but when I compare it to like the Wes Craven movies, like Scream 4 that came out in 2011 still looks like it's from the 90s, but by design. Like, that's not by accident. That's not just because they couldn't pay for the right cameras. That's mm-hmm. because Wes Craven has he a liked. look that he likes from the 90s. Yeah. And he managed to, like, really execute it really well in Scream 4. And, you know, if Wes Craven was still around directing these movies, what would this movie look like? Would it look exactly like Halloween Kills? And I don't think it would necessarily look exactly mm. like Scream 4, but I think it would look interesting compared to, you know, uh, some of the other movies that are, you know, uh, the other horror reboots that are coming out right now. That's fair. Well, I, I think it's kind of nece- it was necessary for the franchise to move forward. I think part of also part of what Scream 4 was an issue with Scream 4 is that it was like supposed to be a, a modernized reboot, but it just it it already feels it feels so dated because it, it yeah. is very much filmed like like an early 2000s movie that you could probably watch it in the early 2000s and be like, oh, this this totally feels like a modern movie. Um, yeah. And I think that's to its detriment because you I mean, I, I guess that that was just like you said earlier, even with the characters, it just it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think Scream 5, like I think the cinematography and like the score and like I'd say the violence feels like a lot more mature. And I think like I get what I get what you're saying. It, it's to its detriment because um, like it does lose the corniness of the screen movies that I think is what I as why I like them so much. Um, it's definitely a part of the charm. Yeah, exactly. But I, th- I think it was necessary. But I do th- I do think that if they wrote the scripts the same way in the same cheesy way, I think with modern cinematography, I, th- I think they would have a better formula. Whereas right now, like you're right, it's, it's feels like a modern horror cast and a modern horror style with some of the meta commentary of scream left over. Mm. So, yeah. Where do you put this in the, in the ranking of scream movies? Um, Damn, I'd say it's probably tied with Scream, Scream Three. I'd say maybe a little better. I, I know uh, you. I'd say six over three. I I remember three being kind of a slog to get through too. I'm not gonna lie, it was kind of boring. The more I think about these movies, the more I think that like maybe I should just rewatch them all again because uh, I I think that I would probably change my ranking a little bit, but. Uh, I like this one better than five for sure. And I think I actually, at least right now, and I might have to go back and like, like I'm saying, I might go back and, you know, reevaluate the whole thing. To me, this is like third in the series. It's, it's a far step down from scream one and two, uh, which are basically tied. But I think that the writing of this one really, really works for me in the most important places, which is like, I think the commentary of this is really interesting 
And again, that entirely might be because I'm reading more into it than the writers <laughs> intended. But like, you never know, yeah, you know, if that's I, what it means to you. I, I mean, like, I, I go, I put a lot of effort into reading a lot of stuff into movies that may or may not be intended by the original like filmmakers. And you know, uh, when I when I watched this, I got a lot out of specifically the final act because that's where it like turned into. You know, when I realized the killer didn't even like enjoy the movies, I was like, this is an interesting direction for this to go in. And I think that it really like did some cool stuff with that. Yeah. So I would definitely put it above five because for me, uh, I liked the I liked the commentary of five, but I think it really tanked in the final act, despite the commentary. Um, but like I would uh, I would I would have to go through all of them again, but I would put this at number three currently mm. that's fair i will say i just want to mention quickly i really like the opening the opening scene and this was really well done in my opinion yes yeah yeah um yeah i i watched i saw this and i was like oh samara weaving's in this never mind <laughs> yeah i i think but at it's, least it's... tony revelori's in this oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was so excited to see tony revelori in like something that's not spider-man and yeah, yeah. it didn't last very long. I liked him in his role too. I, I wish he was part of he ended up being part of the main cast or the killer or something, because I, I thought just in that small scene he brought a lot more character than a lot of the main cast did in the whole movie, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. yeah. But I guess yeah, they they wanted to avoid the trope of these are movie fans. Cause I guess they did that in the last movie too, right? So they'd be a little a little eh to do again. But yeah. I mean, the, the problem with avoiding that trope is that the movie fans, like, when the when the Ghostface killer is a movie fan, like, they're never a movie fan who's, like, timid. They're always very excitable, energetic characters, which means that, like, when the killer reveal comes, they're still bringing 100%. Where, like, with Dermot Mulroney, specifically, he doesn't like the movies. And it's it doesn't mean that he's a reserved character, but it means that his craziness doesn't, like, comes more out of nowhere than it does for a lot of the other killers. Because yeah. it's, like, it's not motivated by anything. He just ends up being crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, basically, the the main point that I get after watching all of these movies is that I want to see Matthew Lillard in more things, and it would have been cool to see Matthew Lillard in more than one Scream movie. Actually. Yeah, I would not be mad if it turned out he was alive this whole time. Actually, I think that would be perfect. Like, there's not no other franchise you could do that in Scream than in Scream, where the guy that supposedly died in the first movie in a very obvious way turns out to be alive. <laughs> like, well, and, like, that's something that they would bring up in the last one, too. Like, the end of a legacy trilogy, yeah. you know, one of the things that could happen is people who died before, maybe they come back to life. <laughs> and the very next scene would be Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Or like, I'd love but to see But he's a good him. guy now, unless... He's, like, walking around with a cane. Like, Ghostface with a cane is walking around because of his injuries from the first one or something. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I I I think in the next movie I'd really like to see cuz I, I think what what was what I found interesting was that the ghost face killer was wearing 
like one of the older masks, right? So I thought this was going to mm-hmm. be a villain from one of the first movies come back or like directly referencing one of the first movies. Uh, whereas this was more referencing, I mean, all the masks were from the other killings, but this was mostly a, a direct sequel to the consequences of Scream 5. Scream 5. Yeah. Um, I would like to see in Scream 7, like, sounds so stupid to see Scream 7. Like, I'm like analyzing, like, in Scream 7, I'd like to see them take a different direction where they, they, they bank on nostalgia again and bring back another villain or have them be related to one of the villains in the first four screams. Um, yeah. Cause I, I guess I don't even know, like scream seven. I think I would be really nice if they made them related to one of the villains in the first four movies, or I think, uh, Oh yeah, that's it. Or be one of the villains from the first four movies. I think that'd be fun. And a, good throwback even though um i'm not a huge fan of the nostalgia factor in these movies but if you're, if you're gonna do it in any franchise i think it's this and i because i don't know you, where do you go from like his whole family came back to uh avenge like the last guy and it's like okay so is is the extended family gonna come in for the next one or uh yeah screen three did an unexpected connection to the previous characters. And I thought that was really bad, actually. Like, I I, I respected it, but I hated it. Uh, Wait, which one? Screen 3. Oh, okay. And so, what, like, you didn't like you didn't like the half-brother twist? I didn't like it. I was like, no, I get it, <laughs> but this is not a good twist. I just think it was so dumb that I, I really loved it, personally. Honestly, like, I wouldn't hate them trying that again if they just went balls to the wall and did like something very stupid for screen seven, like one thing that I really, really liked, I think I remember we were kind of mixed. Uh, I I think we had slightly differing opinions on Halloween ends, but Halloween ends Mm -hmm. is such a weird and wild swing for the Halloween franchise that like, I kind of loved how off the rails it was. And, you know, I would love for Scream 7 to also do something so, like, wildly unexpected that I'm just, that, like, you're watching it and you're just like, how is this, what does this have to, what, what is going on here? And, like, I think that if it was going to be, a vi- if, if a wild swing was ever going to be interesting anywhere, like, Scream is where it's going to be, is where it has the most potential. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. You never know where they're going to take it. I, I think something crazy. I like. I, I think in Scream, the crazier it is, the better it works. Yeah. So they could do something really weird. I, I know, I think in Halloween Ends, I think at that point it was just like, they already screwed the friend. Like Halloween Kills was just so abhorrently bad that they could have done anything. And I guess it would have been mildly interesting. <laughs> but yeah, like with, with this, I feel like there's still a sense of like, like I do enjoy all the movies and I think they're very, they're all very fun and it'd be really tough to like ruin the scream franchise because again, it's like not a franchise that really takes itself seriously at all. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, I, I think if they could really go for like the rails and it could really work if, if they, if they're willing to go that way, but um, who knows? I feel, I feel like maybe part of them is scared to make it too weird because like you said, they've modernized it in so many ways and made it, a lot more like other horror movies that they might not want to make it too weird as well. 
which I hope is not a barrier for them. Like, I hope that's not something they think because that would be my only real complaint with the Scream series right now is that it feels Mm -hmm. a lot like other horror movies, but it feels like it takes itself seriously in that role. Like, if a modern Scream franchise should be parodying, like, modern horror franchises, but it feels like it's walking that line... It feels like it's not walking that line on the right side a lot of times. Like, it feels like it's not leaning as much into the parody as it should, and it's leaning more into the legacy franchise. Like... My, when I when I was talking about when I was like writing my review for Scream Five, I thought that in trying to become elevated horror, it sort of made it like in trying to become a parody of elevated for, horror, it accidentally became like tryhard elevated horror, and like mm. Scream shouldn't be tryhard. It should be it should be more parody. If yeah, you know, that's if it has the option. Yeah, that's where it really sticks out but also i guess parody and uh comedy movies are just so out of style in theaters right now that it i can see the studio being like that's a very big financial risk to take maybe Um, except scream is like currently scream is a pretty financially safe franchise i would say currently yeah yeah i mean four did bomb like the thing is like four was the last one that i think really hammed it up and it didn't do as well in theaters. So that might be part of it, but yeah. But again, I, I think that's what makes it work. And I really hope they go back to that. But we'll see. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like, ooh, I'm not gonna watch the next screen movie if they don't if they don't change things up. It's like, nah, they're all I think this is a franchise I really like just because it's so easy and fun to watch mm-hmm. like i'm not concerned with like the backstory and like their relationships and all that i'm just like i want to see some people die i want to see a fun twist i want to see some cool set pieces that's kind of it yeah the only thing that kind of bothered me was uh dewey becoming an extremely depressed person and courtney cox this character gail just kind of going back to being a annoyingly rich um pretentious like news reporter but but that's only because i grew to care about them over the first four movies um whereas like these last two movies i really don't care what they do with these characters like Mm -hmm. they could all die and i wouldn't be too bothered except for mindy i like mindy i like mindy but everyone else is is just kind of like eh, like you could kill him and i wouldn't really mind or you could they could do something out of character i wouldn't really care either I honestly, frankly, with these newer characters, I'm not 100% sure what out of character I would even recognize them doing something out of character. Like, I don't think I know the characters (laughs) well enough. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. That's that's that is a problem. But again, like, I think they've kept the set pieces and thrills pretty good so far. So the the character issue isn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Um. Whether it's going to work for Scream 10 is a different question when they want to reboot and they're going to bring back legacy characters that no one cares about. <laughs> like It's just going to be like, oh, it's it's the main character of Scream 5. I guess she was... It'd be like a Vanessa Kirby situation where no one really actually cares about the character coming back. I think you mean Hayden Panettiere. 
Hayden Panettiere. Who's Vanessa? Yeah, that's Vanessa I'm Kirby. Th- so different, different but her name in the movie is Kirby, so that's probably it's why Kirby. You're okay, about yeah, that. I got something right. Thank you. <laughs> I guess like I think that Scream Seven is very likely to be the last one for a while, but I would hope that this franchise continues because I think that it's like a very good thing to have alongside other horror movies. Uh, just that I can't mm. say that I love this trilogy that much yet, like this current trilogy. Yeah, that's fair. Again, I'm I'm not I enjoy I've enjoyed watching them all. Yeah, but am I like when I was watching Scream Six, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to get back into these characters and see them again. Yeah, like I was with the old characters. So you know, oh well. All right. Well, that's Scream. Oh, we never rated it. Give it a number. Oh, yeah. What do you, what would you say? What would you say for Scream 6? I'd say it's a 6. <laughs> I'd put it at like a very soft 7. Okay, cool. The theming of it I thought was really interesting. And, I mean, I've, I've talked at length about that, so I won't carp on it again. But Yeah, we get it, Jeff. Jeez, you like <laughs> you liked the twist that I did. I oh, love the twist, dude. I just love the <laughs> twist, okay? I just like it. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. What's our uh, what's our last word, Pierre? Stab. <laughs>